Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name's Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today is our Frankenstein mashup episode for Mansfield Park. <laughs> what is so funny? <laughs> no, I just like it because you're naming the episode. Oh. <laughs> you're just saying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> It's much better than check-in three. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll be um, discussing Mansfield Park, Persuasion, and the pilot episode of Twin Peaks. Yes. Our last three episodes, or things we worked on. Yep. And um, we're so excited because we get joined again by Josh Waller. I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) I live here now. (laughs) And we're happy that you do. Um. Yeah, he's going to join us so, you know, that we can chit-chat a little bit more. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, um, I guess we could just start off on how, how we're doing so far. What are our impressions of ourselves in the podcast? No? Not a good huh? question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know if that was particularly directed towards me. <laughs> you just both like... kind of cocked your heads. This <laughs> <laughs> is... Maybe you should go first. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, I think the only thing that I'm um, struggling with is I don't know anything about how to reach people on social media. So (laughs) sometimes I'll get responses and sometimes there's nothing. So who knows? But um, other than that, I'm enjoying doing the podcast and making it. And I feel like we're kind of hitting our stride with, you know, Technically, at least, know what we're doing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Nobody's written in so far. Um, you know, nobody who we don't already know. Right. And um, I thought by now we at least get some corrections. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's a good sign that we're doing everything right. Yeah, maybe, maybe we got everything right so far, I guess. So. <laughs> oh, don't, don't worry. A... I've got a file of notes on my computer. <laughs> okay. guys, I'm just it's, waiting. It's a perfect podcast. <laughs> No, but I'm I'm having fun. I think we're doing really, we're doing a lot of like cool stuff, and I think I'm really excited for us to kind of like hit our stride with doing a TV series with Twin Peaks and kind of doing like episode episodic stuff mm-hmm. and with books and so and we'll definitely talk more about how the podcast is going to be at the end of the episode when we do our wrap up. Yeah. About that, but <laughs> I'm really excited to get with Twin Peaks because I've watched the first season, but. It's been, I think, two-ish, a little over two years, and I really don't remember any of it. Yeah, <laughs> so. well, that's perfect, because we'll get to see, like, from a first person. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though you have seen some of it, but, like... It, pretty fresh Yeah, just ish. don't try to remember it. Couldn't <laughs> <laughs> even if I tried. <laughs> I was going to ask, have you looked into making the Spotify playlist at all? I have. I've been... Um, since I don't, I don't really use Spotify. I use Apple Music. Oh, or um, Apple. That's Team Apple Music. <laughs> but I um, mentally have been making notes. I need to go back to the episodes and kind of gather up all of our recommendations. Yeah. But um, mentally making notes about what songs I'm going to put in for my <laughs> uh, my recommendations. And so hopefully by pretty soon probably before this episode's even out <laughs> i'll probably have it up <laughs> okay because it won't take super long but because makes, yeah. yeah i really um want to listen to it myself <laughs> yes yeah i'll probably turn up the the this week the week of recording um i'll probably go ahead and put it together yeah um do you have any suggestions for our playlist oh my gosh uh <laughs> 
Uh, you know, um, let me see. Like, I guess, well, the playlist. So, do y'all, are y'all putting on songs like directly associated with a movie, or just things you've suggestions you've made? And yeah, I think we're gonna try to put in all the recommendations, music recommendations that we've had made or guests have made, and um, also uh, any of the like soundtracks uh, right. from the yeah. movies. We'll that take we can find. some songs from there, and oh. Now, not all of them are available on, like, Apple Music and Spotify, right. but some of them are. Yeah. Well, I know David Lynch stuff is oh, easy yeah. to find. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. out there for sure. <laughs> well, it's easy to find music that, you know, have, you know, inspired him uh, or have been in his movies or, or TV like shows. he's so. written himself. Right. <laughs> he's got right. a whole album. <laughs> and Jane Austen, I don't know, like, other than Emma, which, did that have a mod? No, they didn't have a modern soundtrack for that, but. Uh, for the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have the soundtrack, but I think I had to get it on CD. Oh, CD, what's that? I'm way too <laughs> I immediately transferred it to digital, of course, but <laughs> I don't think I can put it on a playlist and share it. You know, that's that's the one thing that sucks about digital music, because back in the day, you could share your music with people, and now you just can't. It's like, you have to buy it or, you know, play it in the same room as somebody else. <laughs> you can't just make someone a mixed tape you well you know like i at least for you know team apple music um (laughs) you can and you can do the same on spotify make a playlist so which is kind of like the modern version of yeah you know but then you it's just the the stuff that's not on there oh well true yeah yeah Yeah, but like what i'm remembering from the movies is that a lot of music is like purely instrumental and it could be just like scene music or like transition music (laughs) so we probably won't use everything yeah, but the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack is definitely going on. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. that was a good one. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. 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 And I'll have to kind of, maybe I'll just put our cover art as the cover art for our playlist and name it the oh, same Oh, yeah, thing. yeah. That'll be perfect. But it'll be, it'll be done soon. Probably before this is out. Well, exciting. Yes. Should I do my first impressions of Sanditon? Because I finished watching it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Give us the tea. Um, I thought it was great. It was, you know, it's based on just like a tiny little setup of a novel mm-hmm. it's just the town and from what i understand i can't i mean i'm sure i've read it but it was i don't remember i think it was like super comical what she had written so far was like this very, a, was sanditon an unfinished jane austen thing? yeah oh, okay gotcha i think she was writing it when she died but it was just like she just written who the characters were and what the town was oh gotcha um but all the characters were super over the top like caricature although you don't know that could have changed as she wrote it you know um it wasn't quite so over the top caricature it was like a little more putting the pride and prejudice spin on it Mm. but i really enjoyed it it um clearly wanted to be set up for a second season so it kind of ended on a bit of a cliffhanger ish -ish. yeah it was it wasn't wrapped up in a way that a normal jane austen novel would be wrapped up so but i don't think they picked it up yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think they picked it up for a second season, so no. that's disappointing. Well, you but. never know. But I do think it was like a pretty good, like, it didn't feel like there were threads dangling. It was like, well, it could in there. And that would be like, well, that was an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. I can't wait to get to it. So I'm thinking, I'm already like trying to think. Four Kinda months ahead, ahead. <laughs> we get to it. But um, yeah. Also, we gotta watch. We gotta go see Emma. Oh it yeah. It comes out, I think, the twentieth of this month. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. So maybe yeah, we should we go should... see that. And then at our next check-in, when we're like halfway through um, the book, we'll talk we can about talk about Emma. Yes, I'm excited to see or that Do one. our first impressions of that, yeah. Big budget film. <laughs> Are you going to go see Emma with us? I don't even know about Emma. I didn't realize there was an Emma I, movie coming it's out. A... It's got Anna, Ta- is it Anna Taylor Joy? Is I that her was, name? I thought it was Elle Fanning. No, no. It's not <laughs> I think it's Anna Taylor Joy. Um, I don't know. Let me see. As Emma. But it looks like a very like... It almost looks like a Wes Anderson version of Emma. Really? Just from the, um, the pre- the, uh, yeah, the previous that I've seen. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Anya. I don't even know who that is. Is that with a Y? Yes. A-N-Y-A. Oh. Oh, okay. She, um, let's see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the only reason I know her is because she was in that movie, The Witch. Yes. And she was really good in it, um, but... You, I never saw her. Yeah, I will never see you won't ever see it's that. It's like a movie that is always on my list, and I'm like, do I am I brave enough? Am I brave enough? Did you watch it? No, but I oh want my to. God. It's so good. Not it's... Hereditary are the two that I'm always like. Oh, I need I've to see Hereditary. Had a little more no. bravery. Um, the witch is just it's more like it's not like you know don't no jumpy scary stuff. It's more creepy, mm. but it's really I think it's really well done. It's not like you know nothing cheesy about it. Um, but she was in those like Split and Glass movies. The oh yeah. What are the, those I didn't things? See those. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. She's in the New Mutants. I want to see that. Out. Yeah. And I, I mean, she was probably she must have been like five years younger or more. Like that movie's been coming out for oh, like yeah. two or uh, three yeah, years. Yeah. So. But you know, she's been like you know Vampire Academy, like movies like that because she's young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's only well, like that's perfect for Emma. Twenty three. Because she's really young. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I'm excited. I feel like. Mr. Woodhouse looks especially interesting, and I can't wait to see that, how he portrays it. But I don't feel like I've even barely seen Nightly in any of the previews, so that'll be interesting. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, so we'll definitely have to go see that. I did want to say that my uh, my sister was listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Since, um, yeah, she's one of the few people who just wrote in with a random comment. <laughs> <laughs> she was listening to our last super, super smash-up. And she um, agreed with us that Laura Dern should play Eleanor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just want to see Laura Dern in everything. Yeah. Oh, that. yeah. So we were talking a little while ago that Mm -hmm. we need to make a segment for these check-ins where we ask ourselves in the last three movies that we watched. Well, last. Well, we'll just say the Jane Austen ones because we know who she is in Twin Peaks. But who would Laura Dern play? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we could do we could do that, or um, we could do like uh, cast swaps. Like if we swap the cast, like at least like the major characters, we could be like who from Twin Peaks would be this in Jane Austen. Oh, that's a good idea. Well, and also there's the question of uh, who. Laura Dern can't play. I mean, she can play well, everybody, right? Well, that's what right? I said. Yeah. I said she can play Darcy. That would be fine. Yes, I would be down for that. But who would be our ideal? Which part should she play the most? You didn't see Persuasion yeah, or Mansfield have, Park. Yes, so I have let's, never seen them. Let's first do her and those. Or in Persuasion and Mansfield? Yeah, or what do you think? I think in Persuasion, she would be a really good Elizabeth, who <laughs> yeah, was yeah. like the really bitchy sister. She would make it excellent. I want to see her and Anthony Hutt. <laughs> 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 Although, I, of course, we can cast her at whatever age we want her to be at. Of course. Yeah. But um, for Mansfield Park, uh, I don't know. 
I feel I mean, obviously, I feel like she'd be a great fanny. Yeah, back in the day, in her Sandy days. Mm-hmm. She kind of looks like she'd be perfect. I would love to perfect. see her be a fanny. I think um, probably most people would be like, no, fanny's too boring of a character for Laura Dern, but that is what would make Laura Dern really shine, because she would be right. able to really bring out all the nuance. That um, kind of, like, like, innocent, like, you know, wallflower that kind of, like, at the end, you know, becomes her own. Yeah. But I also could see her being... You know, like, more along the lines of Elizabeth, like the bitchy one, Mrs. Norris. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Because Mrs. Norris is a character that, like, you just don't like her, but you don't really ever know why. And Lord yeah. Dern could definitely make you be like, oh, poor Miss Norris must have had a really hard life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe bring some sympathy. Yeah, exactly. I was wondering about, like, a... Oh, you know what? Okay, so there's this other movie version of Mansfield Park uh-huh. where... um lady bertram and fanny's mother who wasn't even in this version because she never went back to portsmouth right but um they're played by the same woman Mm -hmm. and she looks completely different um but that would be uh cool if she played lady bertram and then played like the um the poor fanny's mom Mm -hmm. that'd be really cool is there anyone from twin peaks besides you know the tape recorder of diane that laura dern should have played Back in the day? Any of the um, young teenage parts, perhaps? I do. Um, there are a couple. Let me, um, I'm really bad with names, so let me look up. <laughs> <laughs> let me look up character names real fast. I want to see IMDb. her play Donna. I was just going to say. Because, <laughs> I mean, Laura Flynn Boyle was kind of like a contemporary of Laura Dern, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, of course, do love Laura Flynn Boyle, but I don't think of her as particularly, like, iconic in the role of Donna. Not like Audrey or Shelley. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, I would have loved to see Laura Dern play that part. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think she'd be really good, um, like, at the, maybe maybe a couple years younger, maybe even the current age she is, but Norma. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, Designer. Yeah, yeah. She'd be yeah, really yeah, good yeah. for that. But also, I would love to see her play Nadine, because can you imagine? Oh, my God. Or the log lady. (laughs) See, she can do it all. She can do everything. (laughs) She could have been, like, a whole different version of Josie or something. Or (laughs) Catherine Martell. I don't know. She really could do anything. You should just do a Laura Dern love episode one one day. (laughs) We definitely will. Um, I had a couple of questions left over from the ones we got from last week. Okay. I don't think we did this one. Oh my god! If we've already done this one, we feel stupid. But um, <laughs> I think <we'll... laughs> I think the masses will be okay. Well, maybe you'll remember. So they um, I didn't even write down who asked us which questions, but uh, they asked Lynch became a filmmaker because he wanted to see his paintings move. Mm-hmm. Did Austin have any similar motivations? What was her approach to art? I don't think we've talked about this one. Okay, well um. <laughs> Probably because I am not a scholar. (laughs) (laughs) I just play one on a podcast. (laughs) Okay, well, as far as David Lynch and his wanting to see his paintings move, um, I also, I don't know if, I did a play once where we were trying to follow a David Lynch style of directing and we wanted every scene to look like a picture. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's something that he actually did or if that we made that up in our heads. But yeah, he was an artist first. So he, you know, uh-huh. that was Eraserhead was kind of before it was Eraserhead. Was this, we had talked about it. It was supposed to be this movie called Garden Back and it was based on one of his paintings. Um, 
and a lot of his like student work before he did Eraserhead was um, kind of more art, more artsy. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as Austin, I mean, she was just, I think, I mean, she wrote her first book at 15. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she had a ton of brothers and sisters. Her dad was a clergyman, but was like really into educating. I think they had a school in their house. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, she learned with all the boys, I think, because I think only, I think it was a boys, like, um, it might've been for seminary or something like that. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So, and she just, I, you know, she was a Sagittarius. <laughs> she liked to entertain. Um, yeah. So I'm not really sure. We'll definitely have to get way into like a Jane Austen biography or mm-hmm. something at some point. To see what her like actual motivations were. Yeah. I don't know what her approach necessarily was, except for that she wrote stories from a female perspective, you know? I'm actually shocked <laughs> that, you know, and with... Funny with how prolific her works are in media. And there's been so many television series and movies about it. I'm surprised that there's not one about her life specifically. Yeah. There have been a couple. Um, There's one um, with Anne Hathaway called Becoming Jane. And it's just about her love, love life. And then there's one where she is um, later in life, like when she's dying basically. And that is also about her love life. So there's not a good one about like her actual, <laughs> her life, actual life, just about her Why sad love life. That never actually well, happened. <laughs> isn't that all her novels? <laughs> well, that is true. There's a lot of love and that is, I guess, kind of an ironic thing. You know, she mm-hmm. didn't really ever get married. That's not to say she didn't. I mean, all, it's clear to me from reading her books that she had several crushes mm-hmm. and men falling in love with her and her falling in love with other people. And, you know, I'm sure there was flirting. Oh, for sure. Cur- like crazy. <laughs> yeah. I just, I think with like, um, with any artist, like, um, the goal is to like make a statement and, you know, everyone, obviously everyone's statement is different yeah. and th- their two statements are probably different. I mean, her, her idea was to kind of put these voices for women out there that weren't out there. And yeah. I mean, I do think that that is what she was trying to do. Um, because yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, What's so, what's great is that, you know, she could have been at the time, her art could have been like public speaking. She could have been like this, you know, political figure almost in a sense, but she chose to make it into these books where it has the possibility of like surviving time. Who it go way, it went way past her. Yeah. And I don't even know if it was so much like, she's like, oh, I'm so humanitarian. I want to make oh, novels yeah. for women. But she, um, she definitely had something to say about what she was reading at the time. Like she was reading all these novels and she, like I started working on a Northanger Abbey, which is our next big thing that we're doing. It's going to be the book. And just in the first section, she's like really commenting on all these books at the time and how Mm -hmm. like, how obnoxious the heroines are (laughs) and how her heroine is different. (laughs) Right. And I mean, I do think that that's something that kind of goes through all of her work is like, no, I have a, a voice, and you're telling my story, but you're not from my perspective. So I'm going to tell what women really think. Right. I'm going to do it with humor, and I'm going to, you know, inciseful, insightful. Insightful. <laughs> insightful. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Human nature, yeah. Yeah. I just think, I think both of them felt like they had something different to say, and that's kind of what ties them together is that people – overwhelmingly responded to their ideas because they were different. Yeah. 
and they've obviously survived long past yeah you can them, still their start date. look at jane austen and go yeah she's still my favorite you know <laughs> it's just crazy because even at the time even when she wrote northanger abbey and sent it to the publisher and then it never got published and then she later in life wrote like a little note at the beginning to be like yeah this is way out of date so just know that going in and i'm like that's only like 10 years after the book was written that right. you're already writing this is out of date and we're reading it you know over 200 years later and we're years. like but we still love it it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> okay so then there are a couple things that i thought we kind of missed when we were doing the recap like uh-huh. we mentioned them but then we never came back to talk about them okay one thing was we mentioned that we wanted to compare Sir Thomas Bertram with Sir Walter Elliot. Okay. Because they're the two fathers and they're both kind of similar, but they're both also different. Yeah. So did you have any um, observations about the two of them? Yeah. Um, well, I feel like obviously they're both in the beginning, definitely in the beginning of both of their movies, they're both the classical father figure of that time, mm-hmm. especially the classical rich father very figure. Rich, yeah. Where they're like, you know, very stern and very tied to their, the the common beliefs of that time where it was like, all right, got to raise these daughters to, you know, ship them <laughs> off with the man. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. And I'm, I don't think that necessarily changes for either of them. I think the major thing between them is that um, Bertram kind of has this change of heart yeah. throughout the movie, which is like kind of like shocking Yeah, that he does and that Elliot doesn't because that's not even, that's like, you would think that Elliot, that being his biological child, uh-huh. would have that kind of change of heart and really come to terms with seeing who yeah. his child was. And he never does. Like he's, I think a little bit too corrupted by the wealth and society life and yeah, just continues to be awful. Yeah. Yeah. Sir Walter, um, he's so self-absorbed mm-hmm. that he really doesn't bother to care about what's going on around him. So it's almost like his daughters can kind of do whatever they want because yeah. he doesn't really care what they're doing if it's not affecting him in some way. That's true. I mean, you look at Elizabeth who is the oldest and still very single yeah. And, you know, well, it was so funny that there was so much emphasis put on Sally Hawkins' character to marry and how she was an old maid and right. whatever. And I was like, it, there was no emphasis put on Elizabeth because I feel like she fit in so well yeah. that he basically didn't, like, really even see her. Yeah. So Sir Walter, I mean, I almost feel like he starts off not as bad as... I feel like Sir Thomas is kind of starts off worse in uh-huh. a way. Like, he does want to be kind and loving in his own way, but he's so strict and he's yes. got like such skewed morals because, Money. you know, he, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, his whole profession is based off of this, like, you know, horrible business trade that he's in the sugar trade where right. slavery is like a huge part of it. And, um, he like treats his daughters like almost like captives <laughs> in a way. Yeah. I mean, he's like, you have to, he's very strict where Sir Walter is just like, whatever, but he makes a change. Sir Thomas does. He like changes throughout the course where Sir Walter never changes. He just stays. Yeah. Well, I think it (laughs) it also speaks to the differences between, um, Fanny and, um, Anne and Anne, because, you know, they're both kind of similar characters. They're both wallflowers, very meek, very like soft spoken, Mm -hmm. doesn't want to cause like a scene. And, but, and it's like, they come from different like beginnings Fanny yeah. was poor and just gets adopted into this family because 
there's no other choice. Yeah. And Sally grew up, and uh, Anne grew up rich. So it's like, it's so funny how maybe Fanny coming from this like difficult background and her being, I would say maybe she was a little bit more outspoken than Anne in a way. Yeah. With some of her comments throughout the movie. It's true. That's kind of what pushed uh, Bertram to have that change. Yeah. Because Anne, it's not that she, I think, lets things slide so much as that she just is like, I don't care. Your opinion means absolutely <laughs> nothing to me. <laughs> right. I think, yeah. And I think it's maybe speaking to their, both of them being in different parts of their lives. Like Anne's a little bit older. Yeah. And she's probably at the point where she's just tired of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> tired of like society life and completely and has no interest in it whatsoever. Right. Um, and Fanny's pretty young and she's kind of just getting into her adulthood. Yeah. And so she feels like she has more, she can do more. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, in Mansfield Park, you had mentioned that you had looked up what Fanny and Edmund's income. I don't know if you can oh. I'll still look that up, but um, we meant up. to come back to that at the end of the episode, and we never did. Um, yeah, so uh, on this website where they kind of break down based on what we were given, you know, fortunes and uh-huh. basically like net worth, um, I found out that Edmund and Fanny... Both of their incomes, average earnings were about $900,000 in modern day, which I guess... Per year? Yeah, that's what it says. Average wow. earnings. That's insane. 900 For a country curate. <laughs> and that's not yeah. even the biggest... Well, maybe they got to go to the big living. Because originally they were supposed to... Because uh, I was actually thinking about this today. Sir Thomas is so rich that he has two curacies that he uh-huh. can give, like, you know... I don't know how it works, but he can give to people or entitle to people or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like that's pretty big because most of them only have one mm-hmm. on their estate, but he's got such a big estate that he's got enough for two. But the rich, the really rich one is the one that um, Mary Crawford and her brother, uh-huh. their aunt and her husband have. And so Edmund is supposed to get like the lesser one. Uh-huh. So if you get the lesser one, it's still $900,000 a year. That's crazy. But I don't know if they ended up and like the good one yeah well it's also like you know like his father was in the sugar trade and yeah. so it's like i i can imagine maybe he's making so much money that he's just like here's some money <laughs> he's just giving it to his children yeah, at this point that's crazy um but i thought that was so he's crazy very privileged edmund yeah like nine hundred thousand dollars <laughs> annually income which yeah. i guess and see, it's all these, like, finance terms. Like, per capita GDP. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what those mean. Gross domestic product, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell you. But it was, like... But um, in early 19th century, you know, English, you know, finance stuff, it's 700 pounds. Oh, okay. So, definitely not... Definitely one of so the... So, wait. 700 pounds is $900,000? I guess back then, 700 pounds is modern day... Because I thought twenty thousand was almost a million. Twenty thousand? I don't see. I don't know how to read this very well. I'm not very finance savvy. <laughs> well, we can They're, probably no. assume that it's at least pretty large. It might yeah. not be nine hundred thousand. Maybe it's more like that's what it says. Average ninety thousand. It says average earnings nine hundred thousand. They're definitely one of the poor ones because <laughs> you look at Mr. Darcy's estimated fortune. Early nineteenth century was two hundred thousand pounds. Which translates to $257 million in average earnings. Oh, right, 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 Darcy was, like, the richest person ever. (laughs) But (sighs) he's not even the richest, honestly. Well, maybe he's got the richest um, 
he's got the richest fortune. Yeah, His income yeah. was only 10,000 pounds, which right, today right, is 12.8 right, right. million. Right. But I would say the richest um, average earnings per this website was Emma Woodhouse's inheritance. She would <laughs> inher- get 38 million. Wow. For her average, Go, er- for her average earnings, too. <laughs> so, she is gonna be rich. Um, but hold, hold, please. There was something else. I'm trying to remember who the Rushworths were. Oh, they were um, Mariah's. Um, she married Mr. Rushworth. Oh, he was the um, the uh, the kind of actuary. Bumbling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they also list them if you want to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for the Rushworths' income was twelve thousand pounds, which was fifteen point four million dollars in average earnings. Jeez Louise! <laughs> no wonder they didn't have to do anything. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's that's the thing. They... up <laughs> oh sorry christian <laughs> that's okay i'm being stupid still waiting on some viewers to send us in one but i wrote another one <laughs> <laughs> one day this time i did a scene from twin peaks as if jane austen had written it and obviously i am no jane austen but i did the best i could <laughs> <laughs> and josh is gonna read it with me oh boy he is going to be playing the part of Sir Dale Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> and I will be wow. Mr. Harry S. Truman. <laughs> Esquire. <laughs> Esquire. So <laughs> Harry is an Esquire, but Dale it. is. I don't know what an Esquire is. <laughs> been knighted by the Queen. <laughs> well, all right. So this is the scene in um, Twin Peaks where, in the pilot, where they're about to have the town meeting. Mm-hmm. And um, Cooper is about to tell them, you know, we're, you need a curfew and the person sitting next to you could be the killer. <laughs> <laughs> Don't panic. <laughs> yeah. But before he does all that, um, Harry is like just giving him the lowdown about who everyone in the town is. And so I thought, oh, that seems like a perfect Jane Austen moment. Oh, for <laughs> sure. was one. Okay, so, uh, so Josh will be Dale Cooper. <laughs> I already said that. Go ahead. <laughs> May I compliment you on your extensive grounds? Even yesterday I spied what could only be a cotton-tailed rabbit. If I may venture to correct you, the rabbit you saw was most assuredly a snowshoe. Of course. How delightful. A snowshoe rabbit. (laughs) And who, may I ask, is the vision of perfection now entering the gallery? I must say her countenance is in full bloom. She is considered to be the handsomest woman in the county. The Honorable Mrs. Packard. Of the Packard Estate. The family is in the wood trade, if I recall. Indeed. And what of Sir Andrew? Tragically, his life was cut short last year in an unfortunate regatta accident. Sir Andrew was responsible for many of the improvements to the neighborhood. Mm. His wealth and influence allowed him dalliances that a lesser man might have been censured for. (laughs) There was some scandalous talk when he married his foreign beauty, but as he was the benefactor for many of the residents, it was all quickly hushed up. Mm. Upon his death, his estate was shockingly entitled to Mrs. Packard, leaving no warm feelings between she and Sir Andrew's sister, Lady Catherine Martell. 
Lady Catherine is not as warmly regarded. Her sharp tongue and icy manners have earned not a few enemies in the town. Mm. That distinguished gentleman now pressing Mrs. Packard's hand is influential as well, I presume? Oh, that would be Mr. Horn. His wealth and influence rivaled Sir Andrew's own. His estate contains now nearly half the town. His obsequious attentions to Mrs. Packard do not indicate a partiality to anything other than her fortune. <laughs> her charms are completely lost on him, I'm afraid. And who is that peculiar woman with the wooden specimen in her arms? Her story, I am afraid, must be savored on another occasion. It is sufficient to say, though, that the folks of the town affectionately call her the Lady with the Log. <laughs> Yay! Uh, where my Emmy? Where's my Emmy? <laughs> yeah, I got, uh, yeah, I warmed up. <laughs> hey, Baptists all around. <laughs> yeah, so see, if I can do it, you can do it. Come on, write something in, people. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even super long. It was pretty short. Super short. And I will perform yours with even more gusto than I do my own. Um, <laughs> that was fun. Um, okay, so next, I thought we could do some character speculation. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I wrote down a whole bunch of possible ones. I thought maybe we could talk about what happened to Mary. Okay. Like, maybe Mary Crawford from her... Unless you want to start with a Twin Peaks one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, or unless you had some ideas. I just wrote down some possible ones. But uh, I thought maybe Mary Crawford, what her future might hold. Okay. What do you... Because, uh, you know, they do say in the books that mm -hmm. after, you know, Edmund marries Fanny, Mary mm -hmm. has a harder time finding um, a husband because she's you know now like oh men can be actually nice people <laughs> <laughs> they cannot be trash i can you know i should look for some more qualities than just money and a man so what kind of a man do you think she actually ultimately ended up with um i'm i guess there's are there are <laughs> maybe two sides to it there's the realistic expectation of what happened and then there's you know my fantasy of what actually happened yeah because <laughs> i i did like mary crawford even though she was kind of like you know kind yeah of like had her a lot of her faults on display yeah i feel like um in my fantasy that she realized that she has many things to offer other than just being you know a rich man's quiet wife or you know, being part of society yeah, and that maybe she found someone who was like a happy medium who had good amount of money and, yeah. you know, status or whatever, but someone who was also really nice and kind and yeah, wasn't a piece of garbage. I feel like she probably ended up marrying like a <clears throat> older gentleman, maybe someone who had already been married and like their wife mm -hmm. died, but someone who was nice, but yeah. you know, had a lot of money put away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the realistic though is that, you know, she realizes that, but then quickly realizes how <laughs> much she loves money and status. Just and marries the first, like, Wiccan yeah. that comes along, or <laughs> Mr. Elliot that comes along. No, go away, unfortunately. No, I think she definitely, now, at this point, has better taste than to marry a Mr. Elliot. Yeah, I, I, I would hope so. But you never know. She does say she's not likely to change, so. Exactly. I think I think she, unfortunately, kind of, understands herself super well and knows that she's probably not likely to change, especially with societal pressure. Yeah. 
Which sucks. <laughs> so, um, also, maybe we could talk about... I mean, we already did kind of talk about it, though. Mr. Elliot and how we presume that he murdered his wife slowly <laughs> with poison. Oh, right, right, But right, also, right. Um, at least in the version we watched, it was almost implied that he would kill Sir Walter rather than let him marry again and oh, have yeah. a nair. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past him. No, especially with Tobias Menzies playing him. <laughs> yes. They both, every, all these villains love money so much. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, there's well, this... obviously such disparity with people... Oh, yeah. Having so much money and... Then having no money. Yeah. Um, okay, so then on to Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you haven't seen too much, so... Mm-mm. I, I thought remember. maybe we could let you speculate a little on what might be coming. And, of course, the, like, typical one that everyone would choose is who killed, <laughs> who killed Laura Palmer. But I thought... Who cares? Let's stay away from that speculation, <laughs> at least for now, you know, yeah. until Christian is like, I'm curious, then we can let yeah. him talk about it. But for now, I thought maybe we could ask you, what is your speculation on how the log lady got her log and who she is and some of her backstory? Yeah, well, I say uh, in the pilot episode, I mean, if you watch the log lady intro, that's like your first that's true. <laughs> dip right into it. No explanation. Mm-hmm. And then we get her at the, the town meeting. Um, I don't know. I feel like because David Lynch a lot of the times has a lot of like pseudo supernatural kind of inserts into his stories, maybe she is connected to like the, some sort of, there's some sort of like, um, spiritualityness with Twin Peaks, I think the town in general. Uh-huh. And since considering that lumber is such a large part of their livelihood, yeah, I feel like there's something that she connects to specifically with like the lumber like the trees and you know i don't know there's just it's, it's, she's a little too like ambiguous right now i think to kind of yeah. be like well i think so she's this. wide open you could yeah. guess anything at this point <laughs> so i think she she is connected somehow to like the spiritualness of twin peaks yeah. and uses maybe or not uses but maybe is like connected to the the lumberness of yeah. the town to lumberness. To the lumberness. I like it. Well, I mean, yeah, I definitely think that that's true. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't say. a specific speculation per se, but I definitely think that connection is there. So you're yeah. already picking up on. Yeah. I, say, I think she, obviously from the intro, she she knows a lot more than everyone else does. And yeah. I think she understands the risk of kind of, you know, rushing everyone yeah. to the end. So what the, about specific... Oh, go ahead. Are the Log Lady intros <clears throat> on Netflix or is it... I don't think so. Yeah, I was going to say, because I, I was thinking, I, I don't know that I, I think ever... it's on Hulu now, but instead of Netflix. Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I, I don't know that I would have ever put that together, like connected the Log Lady to the trees after the pilot. So I just thought that was pretty... Yeah, and I don't even think the Log incisful. Lady intros were there when it first came. <laughs> <laughs> A little callback. <laughs> yes. Well, um, I don't think <laughs> the Luck Lady intros were in when they did the original showings. I think it was like for um, reruns. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I'm not uh, totally sure on that one. I'll have to look into it for a future episode. Yes. Um, I didn't really have anything else from Twin Peaks, although um, I thought maybe we could go way back to Blue Velvet and wonder what happened in that room 
you know, between when we last saw Dorothy and when we mm-hmm. see her naked. Oh, in the and street. Then, yeah, but we know that something went down in her <laughs> her um, apartment because, mm-hmm. like, her husband is dead and, like, uh, that policeman is, like, standing there with his head shot. And... Right. And that that's after we see her in the street, right? Yeah, we see it after, but we can presume that it happened before. Right. I, I'm assuming, because... I mean, I think his name was Frank, right? Yeah, Frank. Yeah, he was pure evil, obviously. Um, I think probably what happened was, and I'm trying to call back to, like, specifics, but, you know, maybe it had kind of reached the end with Dorothy's husband's kind of, like, with his need to be kept alive, I guess, uh-huh. in a way. I feel like maybe Frank felt like he had control full control over i mean he still had their kid anyways right so maybe he was just like well this is becoming too much of a burden and he was like i'm going to kill this person i think everyone's becoming a liability at this point yeah well okay here's my speculation i'm just making this up as i'm thinking about it but okay so the thing we saw before that was the crazy car ride where they beat the shit out of um jeffrey Mm -hmm. at the end dorothy was still with frank so i'm guessing he went back to her apartment. He called Goon to bring her husband because they right. were going to threaten her. Something ended up where she was naked. But then I think her husband died. I think of natural just causes. I mean, oh. not natural causes because obviously he'd been tortured. But I think yeah. he died. And he then take it anymore. she grabbed the gun, shot the guy or something. I mean, it's also possible that Frank could have like, because the TV was smashed, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm. I'm, I'm on team Dorothy shot the cop. The guy. cop. Yeah. <laughs> I like that speculation. I like that she's standing up for herself. <laughs> yeah. And then, you um, know, she's so distraught that she just runs out of the door naked and runs to Jeffrey. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe, uh, Frank left and was told the yeah. cop guy to take care of, yeah. take care of things. And they got into a struggle and, you know, Dorothy was pretty beat up. So I'm wondering if maybe he like threw her around and that's how the TV got smashed. Maybe. But then she looked got a lucky shot and you know shot him and at that point maybe like you know i think she was wearing a robe right no she was she was fully she was naked oh yeah. maybe he tried to you know make advances on her without yeah. her consent well, yeah because that scene that was cut out from the lost footage uh-huh. he um did try earlier right. in the movie so maybe that happened and she got you know she got lucky and fought him off and there was a struggle and she killed him and then just was like, I need to get out of here. Yeah. Because maybe she was afraid Frank was going to come back. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, It was a pretty scary scene. I know. It feels like it's been so long since we did that. It wasn't really that long ago. It was a couple months, but... Um, feels like it's been decades. Yeah. Um, I Frank Churchill, maybe a murderer. I don't think that, that we have watched a great... <laughs> I mean, I guess Ewan McGregor is a little bit evil, but his character is so much He's, smaller yeah it's more like an immaturity kind of thing <laughs> yeah where i was just like okay i don't you're really annoying. see him killing his aunt but you know maybe like in another interpretation forgetting to give her her medicine or something because <laughs> <laughs> he had to go out yeah um and then what what if harriet smith didn't get married would would she have ended up having to move in with emma and knightley and what would their life have looked like if it was harriet so. emma and knightley all together because Emma, she's like, what's crazy about Emma is she's so much the antithesis of like a normal, I think, Austin heroine. Yeah. Where I, I feel like throughout the movie, I mean, she kind of discussed liking people, but she was never like 
you know, very interesting. Like, yeah, or like distraught over anyone except when towards the end, like nightly, but it wasn't right. to the same extent that everyone else was where people were getting sick and dying. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> she was just like, oh, I'm kind of sad. Yeah. But I feel like she definitely would have been like, you know, the good girlfriend. I would have been like, you can come up with us. And <laughs> Mr. Knightley would have been like, you can have whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah. Well, I was thinking um, if, um, if that had happened and, you know, Harriet was like, well, I either have to take over being a school teacher at Mrs. Goddard's or, mm-hmm. you know, go live in the poor house or whatever. <laughs> Emma would have been like, oh, you know, we have a whole house over here that no one is using. Just stay with us. <laughs> Why don't you just go run the house and make sure <laughs> everyone's doing everything right? And so Knightley would have had to check in with Harriet every once in a while and been mm-hmm. like, just want to make sure the stables are... Uh, I don't think he had stables, but, you know. <laughs> just... Everything was in order. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like Emma still would not have have completely given up matchmaking but i bet mr knightley would have been like well harriet why don't you go collect the uh rent from my tenant mr martin and so he would have, would have been trying to way. throw them into each other's path right yeah the roles would have been reversed okay yes <laughs> <laughs> and um i mean what is there more to say about eraserhead i feel like we speculated on every aspect of that movie already <laughs> so we dissected that <laughs> have you seen it no have you uh, seen blue velvet yeah oh yeah yeah but yeah. it's been years since I've seen Blue yeah. Velvet. I watched a little bit with Christian when he was watching it, but not the whole thing. Yeah. Have you seen any other Jane Austen? Uh, I feel like I've seen a few things, but not as much. Um, you know I love Sense and Sensibility. But, um, <laughs> and I've seen, what was the um, Kate Beckinsale movie? Oh, Love and Friendship. Love and Fen- yeah. Friendship. I've seen that. You saw that? Did you see the Karen Knightley Pride and Prejudice? I have not. You no. haven't? No. Okay. Yell at me. Do <laughs> you know what podcast they're on? <laughs> I'm surprised Christian didn't make you watch it. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're busy or something, but yeah. I was very excited to see it because <laughs> I love that. I think it's on something, but maybe not. Oh, I'm sure it's it worth is. a rent. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've got like two copies that you're <laughs> Well, that's Joe Wright, correct? Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's well, very beautiful. And Karen Eiley is. Mm-hmm. All I ever want to and see. I introduced Christian to Atonement. So. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <sighs> so good. That's why I'm surprised. I thought you would have seen it long ago. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. there's always time. Did you see Emma? No, with I've never, never seen it. Maybe you can go see it with us when we go see the movie. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But you've seen Clueless. Yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah, I've that's the Clueless. story of... The, um... Those would have been fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Um, As if... <laughs> As if, sure. <laughs> You're a virgin who can't drive. <laughs> That's a way harsh time. <laughs> wow. I cannot wait. I cannot wait until we do that movie. It's going to be the most fun. Yes. Okay, well, um, before we get to what's coming up next, let's do some quizzes. Yes. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. All right, Mansfield Park. Yeah, it says, which Mansfield Park character are you? Are you the scheming Mary Crawford, the <gasps> ladies' man Henry Crawford, the steady Edmund Bertram, or the sweet-natured Fanny Price? Take the quiz to find out. All right. Question one. What do you like, <laughs> dot, 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 as a person? <laughs> a, you have a strong sense of right and wrong and like to take charge. B, you're often disrespectful, but you have other good qualities to try to make up for it. C, you are shy and uncomfortable around <laughs> those people. 
or uh, D, girls who don't want their hearts <laughs> broken should stay away from you. Um, mm. I guess you have a strong sense of right and wrong and like to take charge. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say you are shy and uncomfortable around those people. Yeah, I actually <laughs> thought that was my own too. <laughs> but the first one, because I also think I would pick the first one. But also, girls who don't want their hearts broken should stay away from <laughs> That's you a good one. for different reasons. So I'm gonna pick that one. <laughs> Shout All out right. to my lady friends. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> my stupid. Hold on. All right. Question two: What do you usually do when the majority goes for doing something wrong? You refuse at first, but agree to it finally because your girlfriend slash boyfriend <laughs> is involved. <laughs> you consistently follow through with what you believe is right. You agree eagerly and try to persuade your boyfriend <laughs> slash girlfriend to join you. Or D, you're one of the first to join. Oh my God, it really depends on what the wrong thing is. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes I'll be like, absolutely not. <laughs> let's pretend. Sometimes it. I'll be like, yes, let's do that. <laughs> let's pretend it's an actual bad thing. Okay, well, I will say. I would say. You consistently follow yep. through with what you believe is right. That's what I was going to I will say no. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say you refuse at first, but agree to it finally because your girlfriend slash boyfriend is involved because Christian gets me into some bullshit. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> Kidding. I'll pick you consistently. Mm -hmm. Question three. Who do you ask for advice? Your best friend who, regardless of your opinion or his or hers, mostly listens. <laughs> you have your best guide within you. Mm. You no. go with the general opinion. Or D, you do what you want to do, regardless of consequences. Uh, what's, uh, what was that girl? Which one? Persuasion. Uh, the daughter who was after Captain uh, Wentworth. Was it Mariah? No. Or Julie. I think it was Louisa Musgrove. <laughs> she yes. would have been the last one. <laughs> um, I'm going to say your best friend, who regardless of your opinion, That's mostly listens. <laughs> I'm just, to be different, I'm going to say you have your best guide within you. Oh, that's a Fanny Price thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Question four. Who is your ideal mate? You have two different people interested in you, and both are very dear to you, though very different. One is a worldly socialite. Another is your loyal best friend. Mm. I like it. <laughs> B, your best friend whom you look up to. See, your ideal is the eldest son of a baronet, but you're in love with a preacher soon to be ordained. Okay. Or D, surprisingly a good, modest girl who won't give you the time of day because of your immoral lifestyle. <laughs> I'm going to say the last one. I'm going to say the first one. You have two different people interested in you, and you're both... And both are very dear to you. I know that's not, you know, but yeah, I went through my. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to also reference the immoral lifestyle. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Question five. Pretend a scandal is all over the news concerning your family and some very close friends. How do you react? A, you're shocked and angry and miserable at the thought of your father's shame. B, <laughs> you go where you're needed and generally try to be of comfort. C, you want to hush it up and try to pass what the disgraced relatives and friends did off as okay. Or D, you're part of the scandal. <laughs> A big part of the scandal. <laughs> oh my god, I would say you want to hush it up and try to pass the disgraced relatives and friends did off as okay. If I'm not uh... a big part of the scandal, which... I doubt I would be. I'd definitely be commenting from the sidelines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd probably say you go where you're needed and generally try to be a, of comfort. Yeah. I would say I'm part of the scandal. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> All right. Question six. What is your favorite pastime? A, talking with your best friend and listening to the harp. Ooh. <laughs> B, riding horses. C, being in society and making rather questionable remarks. <laughs> or D, making small holes in innocent girls' hearts. Oh, definitely C. <laughs> I know. That's what I was going to say. I would say C, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No wonder we're doing a podcast. <laughs> Question seven. What is your worst fault? Your blindness or ability to overlook serious faults in the man-woman you want to marry? <laughs> your inability to stand up for yourself, letting people take advantage of you instead? Mm. Your disrespectful attitude and <laughs> rude remarks? Or your lack of conscience and principles? Uh, um, oh, my God. Sometimes these quizzes get a little too real for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say your disrespectful attitude and rude remarks. That's what I was going to do. Oh, that's perfect for you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did, too. Um, I'm going to say your blindness. <laughs> serious <laughs> false. <laughs> Traditionally, yes. <laughs> Question eight. What is your best quality? Your strong sense of right and wrong? Your willingness to help people who have been unkind or taken advantage of you? You're willing to stick up for people when others antagonize them? Or your ability to turn out well if you are willing to stick it to your course? You are willing to stick up for people when others antagonize them. That uh, is me, definitely me. Me too. <laughs> um, I'm going to say my strong sense of right and wrong. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, question nine. Who do you look up to the most? Your father, your best friend, society friends, or your girlfriend and boyfriend? Um. Now, this is a hard one because two of these answers are like people right here in this room. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to pick one or the other. So I'm going to say society friends. <laughs> I know. I was like, mm, maybe my dad would be mad if I didn't say <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll do girlfriend, boyfriend. Oh. Whoever they are. <laughs> he sounds awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Question 10. How are your family relationships? You're closest to your matchmaking sister, listens easily to his schemes, an unprincipled older brother, two young sisters interested only in parties, and young men. Who does your father leave in charge? You. Oh. Um, you have a big family, but you hardly know any of them well, except a brother and sister you're close to. You're closest to your brother, whom you attempt to match up with your various friends, <laughs> with no success. I'm going to say the big family, but hardly know any of them. I'm going to say you're closest to your matchmaking sister, who listens yeah. easily to your schemes. <laughs> I'm going to say an unprincipled older brother, two younger sisters. <laughs> <laughs> who does your father leave in charge? You. <laughs> Dun, oh, da, da, da. No! Who'd you get? I got Henry Crawford, <laughs> the villain, uh, the awful person. <laughs> he is a villain, but you know, there's something about Henry. <laughs> <laughs> I got Mary Crawford. Oh, great. Uh, I got, got Edmund Bertram. <laughs> <laughs> the romantic lead, but kind of the dud guy. <laughs> <laughs> Should we read our description? Yeah, let's read them. You go first. All right. Um, you are Henry Crawford. You are, quite frankly, a ladies' man. You think of little but your own pleasure and amusement, even when it costs others their happiness and peace of mind. You have hope, though, if you'll be patient and learn to wait for what you really want instead of settling for less because it's easier to get. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good description. Yeah. 
You are Mary Crawford. Despite the fact that you have a great deal of good in you, you tend to say and do the wrong things without much conscience, unless it brings you consequences. (laughs) You also like to, quote-unquote, hush up situations where you think they will bring inconvenience to yourself if you face them correctly. (laughs) But never fear. You have the ability to change your nature and do a great deal of good when it counts. Aw. That's accurate. That's a good Mary Crawford description. Mm -hmm. Okay. You are Edmund Bertram. <laughs> you have a good, dependable character in general, and your family depends greatly on you. <laughs> you have been a wonderful influence to your cousin, and up for her as well. However, you also have your own weaknesses, as we all do. Your lady friend can influence you to go along with the crowd for her sake. Be careful that you don't let her influence keep you from what you really want to do in life. Well, the problem with Edmund is he didn't know what he wanted. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Which I guess could be my problem, too. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right. Should we move on to the persuasion quiz? Yes. All right. So when I was searching for this quiz, for some reason, I could only find which male character are you. That's fine. <laughs> which is stupid. But we'll have to do it. Yeah, if um, anybody knows where a good source for more quizzes is, or if you know how to make a quiz... Or you can tell us how to make a quiz. I think yeah, that'd be fun. we're going to run out at some point. So <laughs> any help in that department <laughs> would be, be really appreciated. <laughs> All right. Y'all ready? Uh, yeah. What does it say about this one? Jane Austen's persuasion is rich with interesting characters. Where do you fall on the male side of the equation? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not my favorite. All right. Question one. How do you declare your feelings to the woman you love? I declare my feelings eloquently with the de- deportment befitting a gentleman the appearance of love is easy to feign write a short impassioned letter i read her an intense romantic poem my love is in everything i do with her and for her we're always together or reluctantly tear my eyes away from my reflection in the mirror and mumble the words to her with an arrogant smirk (laughs) (laughs) my answers were in a different order isn't that weird Yeah, me too really Mm -hmm. oh well sorry um i gotta look at these again hold on sorry I think mine is, my love is in everything I do with her and for her. We're always together. (laughs) I'm going to pick that one, too. (laughs) Of my own free will. I think the funniest (laughs) one is, reluctantly tear my eyes away from my reflections up here and mumble the words to her with an arrogant smirk. That's probably more accurate for me, but... (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Um, Oh, Lord. Yeah, I'm probably... uh, I'm going to have to go with that one, honestly. It's too good to pass <laughs> Because up. I'm not good at it. All right. Question two. What is your favorite book? The Baronetcy, of course. A book that contains all the information about my illustrious family. Something that my beloved and I can read aloud together in our cabin aboard ship. I don't read much of anything. One doesn't need to be intelligent to be a gentleman. <laughs> anything with substance and depth. Anything with poetry, preferably by Byron or Walter Scott. Um, well, it's definitely, I don't read much of anything. <laughs> One doesn't need to be intelligent to be a gentleman. I'm going to say something that my beloved and I can read aloud together in our cabin aboard ship because, you know, I like a little bit of a fluff. And <laughs> I don't need something with substance and depth all the time. <laughs> I'll say substance and depth for me. Okay. So smart. <laughs> all right. Question three. What trouble with women have you had lately? Hmm. I suspect I'm the target of a scheming widow, but I do so like her company. (laughs) The woman I love passed away. I am all alone, all anguished and alone. 
I'm fine, just fine. I mean, the last time I had trouble with women was eight years ago, but I've forgotten her. I assure you I have. I don't care a bit about her. Not one bit. Oh, no. The woman I want isn't responding to my attentions. <laughs> Nothing recently, but there was this one time where I left my love behind when I went on a trip. I missed her so much, and she was so worried about me. I never made that mistake again. That sounds very specific. A little bit. I'm going to say I'm fine, just fine. I mean, the last time I had trouble with women was eight years ago, but I've forgotten her, I assure you. I don't care a bit about her, not one bit. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to say I suspect I'm the target of a scheming widow, but I do so like her company. <laughs> um, I'm going to do the last one where he went aboard a ship and he never did it again. Good, I like it. Mostly just because I don't feel like reading all of that again. <laughs> All right, question four. You arrive at a large hall full of wealthy people and other highly ranked individuals. What do you do? Be my usual easygoing and amiable self. I am polite to everyone and tell everyone exactly what they wish to hear. It's the only way to get anywhere. Such company is usually disappointing. You stand to the side and keep an eye out for the women you love. Women? Woman. Be seen with the most illustrious circle of people <laughs> and hope they don't realize that I'm short on money at the moment. <laughs> Brood quietly in the corner and stare at everyone with tired eyes. That sounds like me. I mean, realistically. <laughs> I'm brooding person. Um, I think uh, such company is usually disappointing. You stand to the side and keep an eye over the phone. You'll all just be like, is there anyone I know here? <laughs> I think I'm the polite to everyone and tell them what they want to hear. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. Question five. A high-spirited young lady has gotten carried away and injures herself. What goes through your mind? Of what rank is this young woman? Is she connected to any illustrious family? <laughs> Lord. Will she die? Why must tragedy always befall young women? <laughs> <laughs> it's my fault. Rather than spending time with the person whose company I truly desire, I have been encouraging this young lady and all her bold behaviors. It's my fault. I failed and made a costly mistake. Wow. I decide to consult with my beloved about what to do. We have gotten through so many perils together. Storms, pirates, starvation. She is full of invaluable advice. Mm -hmm. I correctly maintain the appearance of sympathy. <laughs> That's me. I'll just, I'll do, will she die? Why must tragedy always befall young women? <laughs> I guess I'll go with, um, I decide to consult with my beloved about what to do. <laughs> <laughs> We've been through pirates and all. <laughs> Just pirates. Of pirates, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question six. What do you love most about the sea? <laughs> I'm a little bitter towards the sea right now. <laughs> it took me away from my love, who now isn't with us anymore. Ooh. Why nothing, of course. It's such a rough and elegant place. The camaraderie aboard ship, how I can take my beloved anywhere and experience so many sights and new locations with her. The sea is beautiful and deep like an ideal woman. It is a good refuge, too, from troubles and heartache on land. You can say many eloquent things about the sea in company and come across as a man of deep feeling. Well, that's pretty um, jaded. <laughs> I'm going to say the sea is beautiful and deep like an ideal woman. It's a good refuge, too, from troubles and heartache on land. Same. I'm going to say, why nothing, of course. It's such a rough, <laughs> inelegant place because there are sharks in there. <laughs> and those are not for me. <laughs> Question seven. You step into a room. What do people immediately notice about you? 
the fine material of my clothing, the careful arrangement of my hair, (laughs) (laughs) my correct posture and carefully schooled expression, my commanding physical stature and firm stride, (laughs) (laughs) my gently smiling face, or my shy mannerisms. I'm going to go with shy mannerisms. I'll say gently smiling face. Yeah, I'm going to say gently smiling face. How can people notice your shy mannerisms? That's not the whole point. They don't notice you at all. If you come in very (laughs) cool. If you're like Ann Elliot. (laughs) (laughs) And cry and look at camera. (laughs) Question eight. You wish to take a woman on a carriage ride. How do you go about doing it? I ask her politely, and if she refuses, I continue to follow her around and monopolize her company. Mm. I select the most lavish and plush carriage and have a servant drive it for us. (laughs) I recite a poem about carriages and hope that will entice her to join me. (laughs) Sounds very interesting. (laughs) My beloved sits right next to me and helps me steer it. I gallantly assist my beloved onto the vehicle. I'm going to do the sits right next to me and helps me steer it. I'm going to say, I recite a poem about carriages and hope that will entice her to join me. <laughs> I gallantly assist my beloved onto the vehicle. <laughs> Question nine. What is your ambition? To be heir to a titled estate? Mm-hmm. I'm very... <laughs> <laughs> Done. No more. I'm, a very content... I'm very content with where I am in life. To be universally respected for my appearance, my status, my wealth. To find a woman whom I ca- can fall quickly and violently in love with. <laughs> Jesus. To correct my foolish mistakes and win back the woman I've loved for so very long. Um, uh, I mean, I really would like to be the heir to entitle this state. <laughs> does sound nice. I'm going to be universally respected. I'm going to say I'm very content with where I am in life, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I'll do the heir. All right. And question 10. What characteristics do you admire in a woman? That she is enthusiastic about poetry and is a spirited romantic at heart. <laughs> Just look at the woman who is always at my side. She has everything I could ever want. Appearance is not of the essence. I admire firmness, intelligence, strong principles, gentle humor, and tender warm heartedness. She mustn't look like an ill-kempt hag. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I want her beautiful, proud of her appearance, and of noble stature. The family that woman happens to belong to, and if she's amiable and behaves gently and properly, so much the better. <laughs> I'm going to say appearance is not of the essence. <laughs> I just just look at the woman who is always by my side. Aww. She's everything I could ever want. I'll pick that one too. Uh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see who we got. Uh, uh, that's weird. 40%. I'm only 40%. Oh, you get... Oh. You get my score wasn't clear. Oh, that's a lot to read. Okay. Let's just do who are well, our We can eyes. just say it, you know. We don't have to read the whole thing. We'll just read our highest one, and then we'll just yeah. say what our best are. All right. Okay. I got, I am 40% Admiral Croft. Ooh. Amiable, companion, companionable, a well-mannered, fine man who is respected everywhere. You're a model husband as well. <laughs> you treat your wife as an equal partner and feel deeply affectionate and respectful of her. 25% of participants get that. Ooh. Um, I got the same. Oh, you did? <laughs> I also am a 40% Admiral Croft. Oh, what are you? Um, I am oh, no. schizo because I'm 30% three different people. Oh. oh. So Admiral Croft, Captain Wentworth, you're okay. a figure who commands respect, an independent, hardworking, clever, and firm individual. You secretly hide a sensitive heart, however, and you must learn to acknowledge your true feelings openly and overcome any hurt you may be feeling. 
I and, got 30% him. And also Mr. William Elliot. I got 20% William Elliot. Did you get the other? those as your other two? My 30% was Captain Benwick. Oh. Yes. Ben, Shy, mournful, yeah. poetry-loving young man. What was your 20%? Um, I have two tens. Oh. 10% Sir Walter Elliot and, and uh, Captain Wentworth. Oh, wait a minute. I have... Okay, oh, so wait. I'm 30, 40% Admiral Croft, 30% Captain Wentworth, 20% Sir Walter Elliot, 10% Captain Benick, and 0% Mr. Elliot. Okay. So did you all get 0% Mr. William um, Elliot, too? I got 0%... Um, sorry, I was, mm. uh, um, uh, Captain Benwick. <clears throat> I think it's Benick, by the way. I got a percentage of everyone. So I got 40% Admiral Croft, wow. 30 of Captain Benwick, 10 of Sir Walter Elliot, 10 of Captain Wentworth, and 10 of William Elliot. Hmm. I got zero William. So I guess I'm just a little bit of everyone. Well, that's an interesting kind of a quiz. Different. Yeah, it, you, you can tell, like, they vary. The answers were very specifically to a character. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It wasn't like, what type of ice cream do you like the most <laughs> yeah yeah some of them they're all different these quizzes none of these are buzzfeed by the way no i feel it like, well for Which, some reason i guess buzzfeed doesn't do quizzes the same as they used to always do millions of them but well what's crazy about buzzfeed quizzes and i'm like so shocked i can't find a lot of them for these movies is that they're all user submitted they don't have a quiz ah. department anymore they it's, don't. It, yeah, that's part, like when they had those huge layoffs, that was part of the layoffs that they did. Oh. Everything is user submitted now. That's for why these are all different. But it's like so weird that they don't have, you would think people would have done a quiz for, at, you know, Pride and Prejudice I or would something. think at least for all of Jane Austen's books. I did find a quiz the other day um, on Twitter. I saved it, but I don't think it was a quiz like which character are you. It was more like, um, how well do you know the book? Uh, like, uh, yeah. I don't think we're ready for those that. Are, <laughs> those are a lot of them. Yeah. So. All right, should we do our Twin Peaks? Yeah. Let's. This, is this from one's... Brainfall.com. <laughs> what is this one called? Which Twin Peaks character are you? Okay. Yeah. Pretty. Original title. Okay. <laughs> Cut and dry. Are you ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Pick the genre of books you are most likely to read. Mystery, spirituality, romance, or true crime? I'm going to do mystery. Yeah, me too. Mystery. I think I probably would pick mystery, but just for the sake of having a different answer, I'll say true crime, because I think I'd also read a true crime book. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would read romance, too. Should I pick romance? Sure, if you want. But, I mean, most likely it's definitely mystery. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll just pick mystery. Yeah. All right. Question two. What's your go-to look? Suit and tie? Simple sweater and sneakers? Jeans and a t-shirt? Or big glasses and oversized coat? (laughs) I'm going to do sweater and sneakers. I'll do jeans and t-shirts since that's what I'm wearing at the moment. I'm going to say big glasses and an oversized coat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have a look, so. <laughs> Question three. <laughs> Are the owls what they seem? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> since I don't, since I technically haven't gotten to that part yet, I'm going to say yes yeah. to be different. They may be what they seem. You never know. We were just, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to say yes. <laughs> no spoilers. Question four. Choose a chess piece. Knight, queen, pawn, bishop, rook, or king? I'm going to pick a knight. I always like knights a lot. Which one is the horse? Knight. I thought the knight was the pokey top. That's the rook. Oh. No, wait. Which? I thought the rook. The rook is the Castle? square top. No, the... the... <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh you're s- the bishop is the little... Yeah, the, oh, bishop. the bishop's the bishop hat. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, it goes pawn, rook, knight, bishop, queen, king. From oh. right to left. I'll be the queen. I'll be king then. (laughs) 
I pick night. All right, question five. What are your, you most likely up to on a Friday night? I'm reading a book at home. I'm hanging out with friends. I'm still at work, or I'm at a party. Where's the option for I'm asleep? <laughs> oh, Netflix, bitch. <laughs> I'll say I'm um, reading a book at home. Hanging out with friends. I'll say hanging out with friends, too. <laughs> Make me sound like the sad one, guys. No. <laughs> Question six. Which of these is your spirit animal? Oh. Ugh. Owl, bear, raven, tiger, or the man from another place? Tiger. Bear. I'm going to go with, um, I'll go with Raven. All right. I do like the man from the other place, but I do not want him as my spirit animal. No, that's scary. <laughs> technically don't really know anything about him. <laughs> yeah, you don't know anything. It's a mystery. Question seven. Pick something to indulge in. Cigarette slash cigar, a milkshake, a bottle of vodka, a cup of hot tea, black coffee and a slice of pie, or a glass of red wine. Milkshake. I'm going to go with glass of red wine. Back in the day, it would have been cigarette for sure. Right. <laughs> I'll say coffee and a slice of pie. That's good. All right. Question eight. Choose your lodge. Black lodge or white lodge? Mm. White lodge. Right? Yeah, but I feel like we barely know what the white lodge is like. We know a lot about... Well, I'm going to go with white lodge. It's a black lodge. <laughs> as much as I would love to take a visit, I... I'm afraid I'd never leave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about either of these, so yeah, I'm going to go with the Black Lodge. Okay. All right. Question nine. Sorry, it's loaded. Okay. How would others describe you? A bit guarded, fierce, bootylicious, <laughs> caring, or intelligent? I'm going to go with bootylicious because I got a big old booty. I don't know. What do you say? Intelligent, caring, bootylicious, <laughs> a bit guarded? <laughs> Um, oh, there's a couple. I would say intelligent. Okay. <laughs> pick mine. Pick mine. I would say... Definitely <laughs> How flattering. Caring is a really good, a good one, too. Way. No, fierce. Fierce. I'll pick yeah. fierce. That All was right. my instinct. <laughs> All right. Question 10. What's the most important thing to you? My family, my friends, my career, my freedom, my peace of mind. Oh, normally I would say my freedom, but after this last week, I might have to go with my peace of mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I'm going to say freedom. I'm going to say peace of mind. <sighs> Any other week, it would have been freedom, but... <laughs> I don't... I'll say my friends. No, I'm going to say my peace of mind. I need some peace of mind. <laughs> okay. Then you have to click another button to get your result. You have to click two more buttons. <laughs> Crazy quiz. Calculating results, analyzing responses. So, uh, 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 uh. Oh, yes, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you get? Audrey Horn. Oh, <laughs> lucky. I got Laura Palmer. Oh, oh. I got Laura oh. Palmer in a, a different quiz we did. I got Sheriff Harry S. Truman. <gasps> oh, that's a good one. All Only right. Pete Martell could have showed up in this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure I'd get Pete, though. Read your description. Oh, um, you are a natural leader who is caring and open-minded. You are always sincere and calm during stressful moments. That's a good one, and I think it is appropriate. Yeah, mm -hmm. we'll take it. Um, for Laura Palmer, I am passionate person who can get in over your head. You are a bit on the troubled side and might feel like others don't understand you. Yeah, well, who in Twin Peaks isn't a bit on the troubled side? Seriously. You're a bit of a bad boy slash girl with a magnetism others can't ignore. You like to work behind the scenes rather than be the center of attention. 
well. <laughs> You're extremely headstrong and like to do things your way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that being true. <laughs> that was a fun quiz. Yeah. Those Yay. are great. Um, okay, so finally... Um, we got to talk about what's coming next. Yes. We're starting of... a new exciting chapter yes. in the podcast. Um, and I'm going to make a plea. This is my plea <laughs> to you all. If you are listening to this podcast because you're a Jane Austen fan, then I ask that you watch Twin Peaks with us. Yes. Because we're starting Twin Peaks. It's on Hulu. Um, we're only doing the first season, which mm-hmm. is only... Uh, there's seven more episodes after the pilot so eight total um and i really want some crossover like some people who only are jane austen people to just try out some twin peaks and then for my david lynch people probably mostly twin peaks people you're definitely gonna want to listen with us but i ask that you read northanger abbey with us Yes. We're going to be splitting it up. So we're going to do like a Northanger Abbey episode and then a Twin Peaks episode and then a Northanger Abbey episode and then a Twin Peaks episode. And the way we're cutting up Northanger Abbey is we're going to take approximately an hour's worth of the book. So if you were listening to it on audiobook, it would be about an hour. If you were reading it, it takes about an hour to read. Um, you know, less if you're a speed reader. But, um, you know, you have to like, kind of wrap your head around Jane Austen's language at first. Mm-hmm. So it takes a little bit longer to read. So, like, what you say, like, about six chapters, you said? Yeah, our first one, which is going to be next week, is going to be Northanger Abbey, and it's going to be chapters one through six. Yes. My cousin, who wrote to us, uh, volunteered to help us, although she lives across the country, so it's going to be hard to record with her, but um, we'll try to figure it out. We'll have several months to try to figure it out eventually, but um, at least at first, uh, she'll probably either write in or give us a voice message or something. So that she can read along. But if any of you guys are reading along, we want to know what your thoughts are um, each week. Um, we're going to try to actually record these a little more like one per week. So, um, you know, we won't be so far ahead that you guys can't, you know, let us know your thoughts. And right. also with Twin Peaks. So it's probably going to take about four months, honestly, because we're going to mm-hmm. have eight episodes of Northanger Abbey and seven more episodes of Twin Peaks. Plus, we'll probably do a check in somewhere in the middle. Yeah, like a mid, maybe like a mid book slash mid season check in. Yeah, and I did record a little um, something with my sister because we watched Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility. Uh-huh. Did I say it right? <laughs> <laughs> you did, yay! Um, we only recorded uh, the Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> Never mind. Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> lost it. Um, but we also talked a little bit about Twin Peaks, but um, the sound quality is not great, and I thought maybe we wouldn't have enough to talk about in this episode, but we've been talking. For a long time, so we've got plenty. So maybe at some point, if there's, for some reason, if we get behind, I'll just release it as a special bonus episode in the middle, yeah. you know, of something. But I'm not going to put it on this episode. Yeah. Yeah. But, but. definitely uh, try and cross over from your preferred Yeah, uh, we really want artist. everyone to be in on this whole journey. We're going to mm-hmm. do both things. We're going to go back and forth, so... You'll have plenty of time. If you're like, I can only handle one episode of Twin Peaks every two weeks, then that's all you have to watch. Exactly. And if you're plenty like, I can only read an hour in two weeks, you know, that's fine. Take plenty your time. Of time. Yeah. 
So listen to the audiobook, guys. Yeah. And they're both great. There's nothing wrong with audiobooks. And honestly, Jane Austen sometimes works better as an audiobook, in my opinion. Yeah. And they're both great entryways into each other. So yeah, it's Jane Austen's try. first book. She wrote it when she was 15. <sighs> I think. It's I could more... be saying this, and then next week I'll come back and be like, I was wrong. But <laughs> I'm Correction. pretty sure she wrote it when she was 15. Retraction. She's yeah. actually 45. She was Lydia Bennett's age. Oh. <laughs> that makes me feel bad about myself. <laughs> well, you know, she also took, like, off... She wrote, like, three books and then took off, like, 10 to 15 years. And then she wrote some less. So right. <laughs> don't feel bad about yourself. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I... I guess that's it. Is there yeah. anything else you guys wanted to talk about? Um, the meaning of life. Um, yeah, we've 42, got time. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> we've got time. Well, that's actually going to have to wait for the next one. If okay. you know the meaning of life, <laughs> yeah, write in sorry. and let us know. <laughs> if you happen to know it, just kind of I believe know, that it drop us a DM. Jane Austen and David Lynch somehow. somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but join us next week where we'll be doing chapters one through six of northanger abbey and we yeah. hope that you'll all enjoy join us reading the book and on this exciting new chapter in the podcast yes yeah, so exciting thank you so much bye good night bye